Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Last week, we started a whole new series of messages that we are calling How To. We're taking a look at the pastoral epistles. Now, these are the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to two young pastors, to Timothy and to Titus. And they give us a lot of insight in how to lead and how to deal with uncertain times. I really think they're relevant for where we are today. And last week, we looked at the question, how to know what to do when I don't know what to do. This was the question that we considered last week. How, how to know what to do when I don't know what to do. And what we figured out as we looked at this is that when I don't know, I start with what I do know. When there's things that I don't know, I start with what I do know. If I don't know what to do, then I go back to what I do know. And last week, we looked last week at four things that I know. And if you weren't able to be with us, I'd encourage you to go back. You can watch it on our website, or you can go to our YouTube channel at Toledo Calvary and uh, watch any of our services there on demand. And the reason I, I kind of go back to that is we have to ask the question, why do I care? Why do I care what to do when I don't know what to do? Why does that bother me so much? And I happen to think it's probably because of fear. See, when we don't know what to do, it brings up fear in us, fear of the unknown, fear that I'll make a mistake. Fear that there'll be conflict or challenge in a relationship. Fear that I'm going to lose or fear that I'm going to no longer be in control. Fear that I'm going to be a failure or, or that I'm going to be a disappointment. Maybe even a fear of death. So the question that I have for you is, what do you do with your fear? Today, our subject is going to be how to not be afraid. We're going to look at that topic today. How to not be afraid. And I, I guess I'd ask, what is it that you're afraid of? Are you afraid of the dark? Maybe you're afraid of snakes or spiders. I often find that it's one or the other when I talk to people. Either they're afraid of snakes or they're afraid of spiders. Or if they're not afraid of either one of those, or if they're not afraid of both of those, then they're afraid of mice. And if you're afraid of mice, then you're probably afraid of bats, which are flying mice, and things go on and on and on. Maybe you're afraid of heights. Maybe you're afraid of public speaking. Whatever it is, it's good for us to kind of think about what are the things that I'm afraid of. In our world today, it causes us to ask the questions, what am I afraid of right now? Maybe I'm afraid that I might get sick. Maybe I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. Maybe I'm afraid I'm going to make wrong decisions for my kids or lose my liberties or offend my friends or not know the truth. And if you look at Timothy's world, remember the Apostle Paul in Scripture is writing these letters to these pastors. And he writes two of them to this pastor in the city of Ephesus named Timothy. And if you look at Timothy's world, you'll see that he was afraid of a lot of those same things. So in the midst of this, Paul's going to give Timothy a little pep talk. When he sends him his second letter, and we call this book 2 Timothy, when he sends the second letter, he, he gives Timothy a little pep talk. And here's what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 1 Verse 6, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. If you go back and see the whole story, here's what Paul's doing. He says, Look, Tim, you can do this. I believe in you. God has gifted you. I want you to know this. Your life has a purpose. You, you're in this season for God's reason. There's something going on. You're called to this. 
And if you're watching this message, I would encourage you, so are you as a parent, as a student, as an employee, as a leader, wherever it is that you lead, God has called you in this season. If you were with us back in February, we walked through some of our, our roots, our core values. And one of the things we talked about is that we get to do this. God has put us in this place. And wherever it is that you are right now, God has allowed you to be there because he has a purpose and a reason for you. So in verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, look, man, God has given you this role with a reason. And then he says this to him. Verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says to him, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but God gives us power love, and self-discipline. This is a powerful thing for us to consider when we look at this. Oftentimes, maybe you've heard this verse where it says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. That's how the King James says it. The NIV says it, for the spirit God gave us. And I, I like the way that it says that. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. And it talks here about not just a, a spirit of fear, but it says it's the spirit God gave us that we're looking at. And when he says that here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And he gave us a spirit that does not make us timid. Now that word timid, you'll, you'll see in other Bible translations as fear. And that word fear, and, and you know this, in our own lives, we use fear in a lot of different ways. Some that are positive, some that are negative, some that are respect, some that are healthy. Well, the word that's used here for fear or timid actually has more of an idea of cowardice, of shrinking back. And Paul says, Timothy, God's called you, and he's given you his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit does not make you a coward. He is not a spirit of fear. He is one that comes alongside of you. And as we'll see today, he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So here's what we need to see. If you want to know how to not be afraid, you have to recognize where do we find the antidote to fear. And the Holy Spirit is our antidote to fear. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need to make it through seasons of time when we might be unsure, when we might feel timid, when we could be uh, expressing cowardice. He helps us to know how to deal with fear. And some of you might go, if we're, if we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, well, I don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Or I'm not sure how to understand my relationship with the Holy Spirit. What do I need to know? Because of that, and what we've seen in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, today we're going to look at three things the Spirit gives us. They're the things that are listed in this verse and what Paul says to Timothy. We're going to look at three things the Spirit gives us Let's go to this passage and see what it says to us. Here's the first thing that the Spirit gives us. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives us power. The first thing that we see, number one, is that the Holy Spirit gives us power. Now, this was really important for Paul to say to Timothy. And when he says to him that the Spirit that God gives us does not make us timid, it does not give us fear. When he says the Spirit gives us power, we need to understand that Timothy probably felt the pressure, he felt the, the weight of that in a way even more than we would today. Here's why, and, and I want to go back to this real quick. The Holy Spirit is not just a theological term. When we read in Scripture or when we see this understanding of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not just this fancy theological term that is there. I, I think oftentimes when we see that phrase or when we hear the term Holy Spirit, 
it just kind of goes through our minds as just something that people say. It's just something that's, that's kind of these fancy religious words. But it's so much more than that. If you fast forward a little bit in this text in 2 Timothy chapter 1, as Paul's talking to Timothy, and remember he's encouraging him, he concludes this encouragement by saying this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He says, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's really important because Paul says to him, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. He could have just put a period right there. But it's like he thinks just a little bit more about it. He, he wants to emphasize something. He says, Timbo, here's how you do it. You guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And when he says Holy Spirit, he means more than maybe you and I can comprehend. See, oftentimes I'll see the Holy Spirit there, and when I read through it, I just kind of read over it. Kind of, yeah, 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 I, I, I know that's there. Or he says that a lot, or I, I see that a lot in the scriptures. For Paul, it meant so much more. See, for Paul, when he says Holy Spirit, he draws a direct line from this passage of Scripture all the way back to the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out because he had heard those stories. Timothy probably knew some of those people. Paul goes to Acts chapter 9 when he experiences the, the, the presence of Jesus and is filled with the Holy Spirit in Damascus and his whole life is changed. When he talks about the Holy Spirit, he's talking about a, a, a power that Paul knew that can change our lives. Paul knew the difference. Timothy knew the difference. And what he's saying is the Holy Spirit isn't just God in your head, not just a book that I read, not just a crutch for the week, not just some kind of cultural expectation. He says, this is God living in me. And this is important for us to see. The Holy Spirit living in the believer is a personal encounter with the power of God. The Holy Spirit is not just a theological term. The Holy Spirit living in the believer is a personal encounter with the power of God. Maybe one way for us to think about this, I'm going to guess most of us, if, if maybe not all of us, we, we're at least familiar with Cedar Point, or maybe we've been there. We're close enough to one of the greatest amusement parks in the world, and maybe you've been there and you've ridden a roller coaster. And you know that there's a big difference between standing in line and actually riding that roller coaster. For me, my, my personal favorite, maybe I'm a little old school, but sentimental maybe but it'll probably always be the millennium I just that's that's just my favorite ride for whatever reason and when I'm there it's one thing to stand in line and watch the ride it's a totally different thing when you get in that car and you're strapped in and you experience it for yourself it's one thing to know about the Holy Spirit it's one thing to know about God but when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, when he empowers you, it's a totally different experience. It's not just watching God. It's experiencing his power at work inside of you. Jesus talks to his disciples about how important this is. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and he's just about to be ascended to go up into heaven and to leave the disciples. And in the process of this, listen to what the disciples ask him. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? If we're honest, they're asking Jesus 
the same questions that we're asking today. Hey, Jesus, when are the end times going to be? When are you coming back? Like, when are you going to fix the government? When are things going to be the way that we want them to be? Look at what Jesus says to them. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Do you see what he's saying? He says, look, the when is not up for you to know. Those questions you're asking, they're really not the ones that are that important. He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But let me tell you what you do need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says it's one thing to watch and see what's happening. He says, but you won't have all the answers, but I'll give you the power. I'll give you exactly what you need. So don't worry about having all your questions answered. And don't worry about the when. You focus on the what because the Holy Spirit gives you the power to accomplish God's purpose for your life. He said, in all the uncertainty that you're going to face, please know this. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And his power at work in your life will help you to accomplish the purpose that God has given to you. Look, as I thought about this passage in this thought I thought of so many times that this has been true in my life times when I've had to have a a tough conversation and the Holy Spirit gave me the courage to have it times when I've been grieving and the Holy Spirit brought peace times when I had to make decisions as a parent and the Holy Spirit brought us wisdom times when I felt hopeless and the Holy Spirit comes and brings hope and confidence I can tell you times when I've been physically drained and the Holy Spirit has brought me supernatural strength. Times when I've wondered, how is this going to work out? And the Holy Spirit came alongside and helped me to know that I could trust in Him. Times when my attitude has been wrong and the Holy Spirit has helped to change my heart. Times when I've been fearful and the Holy Spirit has helped me to know peace. I, I think I've shared recently that like currently I'm in the midst of a master's degree program and it's it's stretching me in ways that I've not been stretched before and times when I've said God I don't know if I can do this and I feel the Holy Spirit come alongside with that power that only he can bring and he reminds me that I will give you the strength that you need for the moment that you're in there's an anointing a power that the Holy Spirit brings he brings us the strength that we need for the moment that we're in if we will trust and look to him. Two, two things that we're doing during this series that I hope you won't miss. Every Tuesday, we're going to do kind of a follow-up to these messages. And so Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, whether it's on our website or Facebook or YouTube at Toledo Calvary, a couple of us as, as our pastoral team are going to come together and we're going to discuss the topics from the sermon. This week, we're going to talk about how can I personally experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, to know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to experience his presence and his power. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday. I hope you'll join us and you won't miss it. And then each week, we're also going to have available what we're going to call this week's how-to. And if you go out to our website, ToledoCalvary.org, right kind of first thing on the front page, you'll see a, a, a link that says this week's how-to. Click there. There's going to be Bible studies for each day, things that we will read. This week, we're going to talk about how we can know the Holy Spirit. You can download past weeks. And this way, as a church, 
we can be studying God's word together as we go through this series. What do we know that the Holy Spirit gives to us? The first thing, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Here's the second thing we're going to look at. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives us love. The Holy Spirit, number two, gives us love. Remember what Paul said. He said, Timothy, the spirit God gives us is not one that gives us timidity. It gives us power and love. And if we're going to talk about love, I, I think it's good for us to start here. Look, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I I think we say that too often. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we refer to the Holy Spirit as it. If you're not familiar, uh, Christian theology talks about the Trinity, that God has revealed himself. He is one God, but he allows us to know him in three persons, we say. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, admittedly, we, we can't understand all of this, but, but Scripture helps us to see it. And the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to have a relationship with every believer. We refer to the Holy Spirit as him. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he wants to come and have a relationship with every believer. When Paul writes about kind of this relationship that we have in Romans chapter 5, Here's what he says. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul says, look, that love that has been poured out into our hearts from God comes to us through the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that we know God's love. So the Holy Spirit is not in it. He is a person. He wants to have a relationship with us, and he wants to fill us with love that we know God's presence and power in a very personal way. That's why Paul says, Timothy, God has given you the Holy Spirit who gives us love. This this week was kind of a big week around the Gilligan house. Rhonda and I um, celebrated our 27th anniversary this week. Um, She is a saint I married out of my league for sure and uh, can tell you that outside of what Jesus did for me on the cross, the greatest expression of God's grace in my life has come through my wife, Rhonda. And so for our anniversary, we, we went out to dinner and you know, anniversary times, you, 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 you think about the past, you think about the future, you, you talk about those things. I think about the fact that Rhonda and that relationship has made me a better person. Here's why. Our relationship should change our hearts, especially one where there's, there's love in that relationship. It should make us someone better. Love has that power. Now think about when the Holy Spirit pours God's love out into our hearts. Let me challenge you with this. Why don't you consider right now, today, as you're hearing this message, an anniversary, if you will, of God's love to you? And think a little bit about your past and who you would be without God's love. And think about your future and the hope that you have because of God's love. Let that relationship that you have through Jesus' sacrifice and God the Father's love and the Holy Spirit pouring that out into your life, think about that for a moment and consider how God has changed you, what he's done in your life, how much of his love he's poured out that you do not deserve. And in thinking about that, 
Think of how the Holy Spirit should change your life to love others in the future. Here's what I want you to see. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit should change the spirit of your relationships. Think about this. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit should change the spirit of your relationships. Like if the spirit of your relationships, if it's not one that's filled with grace and filled with hope and filled with love, then maybe you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to change your heart in the relationships that you have. Like, like does God's love make a difference in your life and your relationship with others? When was the last time you asked yourself, did I treat others with love today? Did I respond today in love? Was I motivated by love? Were my thoughts and actions loving? Sometimes I have to just stop and pause and ask myself, does the spirit of my relationships reflect my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Back this uh, last year, Black Friday, I decided, well, you know, we've, we've had for years in our house one of those thermostats. That, it's kind of old school thermostat that you just kind of turn the dial or move the little, little lever. And I thought, man, I want a fancy new thermostat. I want one of those digital ones. And so I got a, I got a fancy digital thermostat. Black Friday, it was on sale. And then I installed it myself and got it all set up to go. And I was looking at the instructions and it said, you can connect your thermostat to Wi-Fi and then you can change it from your phone. And it's super cool. Because I can be in one room of the house, maybe even a different floor from where the thermostat is, and if I begin to feel something, if I begin to feel, man, I'm a little, a little warm in here, or if I, oh, it's a little cold in here, I can just take out my phone, I can open the app, I don't even have to get out of my chair, and I can change that. I can adjust the temperature on my phone because I've sensed or I've felt something that I go, boy, I wish this was different. And if I'm honest with you, there's times when I have to look at my life and the way that I'm treating others. And the expression of love in my heart. And I got to go, huh, based on what I'm feeling, are there some little adjustments that I need to make? Like as I feel the temperature of my heart, do I need to allow the Holy Spirit to be the thermostat that changes me in some ways? Look, if you're spending your time being angry or bitter or judgmental or frustrated, if you're sure you're right when everyone else is wrong, or if you're always trying to fix everyone, then maybe you need to step back. To be honest, I've had to do it lately. I've had to think, God, my my thoughts about that person or the way I feel about those people. Lord, would you do something in my heart? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to kind of be the thermostat that adjusts the temperature of my heart so that I express the love of God that you poured out in me? That's so important, especially even in seasons when you might be afraid. Because Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, in what God's called you to do, he's not giving you a spirit of fear. He has given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives us power. He gives us love. And here's the third thing, number three, the Holy Spirit gives us self-control. Scripture says, the Holy Spirit gives us self-control. What does that mean? Well, it means that the Holy Spirit enables me to control myself. The Holy Spirit enables me to control myself. In fact, Galatians 5 tells us that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Here's the catch. Track with me for a moment. The Holy Spirit enables me to control myself, but I have to let him. The Holy Spirit enables me to control myself, 
but I have to let him do it. I have to let him be at work in my life, in my temptations. I have to recognize when the Spirit kind of brings that little bit of conviction that I have to respond and let him bring the power and bring the love and bring the strength to control myself in my actions, in my reactions. I need to allow him to be at work so that I can control my mouth. I need to allow him to be at work in my life so I can control my mind. And look, I, I don't want to oversimplify these things. I, I know that when I just say, hey, let the Holy Spirit help you, that might be a little bit easier said than done, especially for some of us. Because for some of us, there may be challenges that we face in certain areas in our lives. Let's just be honest. I think it's all of us that there's certain areas in our lives where it's more difficult for us to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. Or maybe there's times where we keep coming back to some of those same things. Maybe there's things in your past that are difficult to move past. You may face mental illness. You may have temptations that keep coming in. And if you have to keep coming back to those things, there's not a one-time fix. You don't need to say, well, I'm not spiritual or I've just missed the mark. It may mean that a Holy Spirit will use a physical means or a person to help you find healing. But what you have to do is be willing to say, Holy Spirit, enable me to control myself, but I have to let you do that. You have to act on it. You have to let him be at work in your life. And there may be times where you struggle with some of these things. But go back to what Paul said to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He says this, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And remember this, Paul stops for a moment and he thinks to himself, guard the good deposit that was entrusted. How's Tim gonna do that? How can I encourage him to do this? I know, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this, the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Here's what I wanna stress. Here's what I think you need to know. This is so important. The Holy Spirit is not optional in the life of the believer. I think it's critical for you to understand as you're walking through whatever season that you're in, as you're, as you're in this moment in life and you're wondering, how am I gonna make it? How am I gonna get through this? What am I gonna do? The Holy Spirit is not optional in the life of the believer. I think sometimes as we think about our faith, we have a tendency to think about our faith like we're, like we're buying a new car. And we're like, well, well, I could get the heated seats, but I don't really need them. Or, or I, I could have the satellite radio, but it's, it's just an option. Look, the Holy Spirit is not optional in the life of the believer. There's so much more to this relationship that you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And when Paul says you can do this with the help of the Holy Spirit, he's actually using Jesus' words. Look at this. John chapter 14, Jesus talks to his disciples and says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, remember this word, advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He says, look, I'm gonna ask the Father. So Jesus says, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna to talk to the Father and ask him to give you another advocate. Those two words are really important. That word another in the Greek means another just like. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have the Father send you a spirit who is just like me. The Holy Spirit is, this, is the spirit of Jesus. 
And he says, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come, and he is going to be an advocate. Some Bible versions might say counselor or helper. The, the Greek word there is paraclete. And the idea behind that word is one who comes alongside of. He is one who comes alongside of. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to help you because just like Jesus, he is going to come alongside of you and he is going to be your help. So if you need his help in times of fear, if you need power or love or self-control, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, who's just like Jesus, is going to come alongside of you and he's going to help you. Just, just recently, back in the beginning of March, I had the privilege to go um, to, the, to the nation of Israel. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. This was just before all the coronavirus things hit, just before um, there were all the concerns that were happening there. And uh, one of the things that we do when we're on this trip, and there's a, a group of us from Calvary and several other churches, one of the things that you get to do is one night you get to go out on a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee while the sun sets. And it's actually just super cool because if you're familiar with the New Testament, so much of the life of Jesus happened around and even on the Sea of Galilee. So that's my third time to have that opportunity, and it was, it was, it was really cool. And that earlier that day, before we were going to go out on the boat ride, one of the people that was leading the trip came up to me and he said, hey, pastor, could you do me a favor? And I said, sure. He said, tonight when we're on the boat on the Sea of Galilee, will you share a quick devotion? And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'd be glad to share a, a biblical thought, a devotion, you know, while we're out on this boat. The reality was I did not want to do it. One of the reasons why I enjoy these trips is because there's usually people that are so much more gifted and trained than I am who, who speak and share the stories of those places, and I get to sit back, and rather than be the one that has to teach, I get the opportunity to really receive in those times. So when he said, hey, would you do a devotion on the boat? I mean, I was honored. I was happy to do it, but there was this part of me that's like, oh, man, I got to switch into pastor mode, right? And so all day I was racking my brain. What am I going to say, and what, what do I need to do? And you start thinking, God, what do you want me to say, and how can I say something that's going to bless others? And then you start thinking, well, I don't know. There's all these other people, and you have all these other thoughts. And all day I'm racking my brain, and I don't really have any thoughts that come to me. And so then we're out on the boat, and we were out on that boat, and we're cruising around on the Sea of Galilee, and I know the clock's ticking pretty soon. I'm going to have to talk about this. And, and the Lord kind of brings to my mind the same thought that I had every time that I've been on that boat. It's my third time that I've had that experience. And while I was sitting there, every time I have this same thought, my mind goes back to a story in the book of Matthew. Let me share it with you. In the book of Matthew, there's this story of this time when the disciples are out on the sea. And in Matthew chapter 14, it says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And here's, here's where the story kicks in. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. When the wind and the storms come up on the Sea of Galilee, they are brutal. I, I've had the privilege to, to experience, and, and it, is, it is fascinating. And understand this, the disciples were in the boat Jesus was still up on the mountainside by himself praying, and here's the disciples, and they're having a hard time. Watch what happens next. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. This is what gets me every time. Can you imagine being in, in, in that boat, and all of a sudden, 
on that water, Jesus comes out walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And that word fear, doesn't that blend right in with where we're at today? How to not be afraid. And here they are, filled with fear, and Jesus comes walking alongside of them. And watch what happens, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I do not be afraid. And there's this powerful thing, and I'm sitting there on this boat, and I'm thinking to myself, how cool would it be if in the midst of the times when you're straining against the wind, if in the midst of the times when you're in the middle of a storm, that all of a sudden you realize Jesus is coming right alongside of you, that Jesus is right there in the middle of your storm, how cool would that be? And it was like God brought to my mind through the Holy Spirit, isn't that who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the advocate, the counselor. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us in the storms of our lives. And I was reminded in that moment, I thought, that's what I'm going to share. That's the devotion I'm going to give on this boat. That just like Jesus did on the Sea of Galilee, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us in the storms of our lives. So we don't have have to be filled with fear we can be filled with power and love and self-control and I thought oh that's good that's what I'll share it kind of resonated in my heart so I was sitting in my chair on this boat waiting because I knew any minute they were going to say hey Chad come on up here and share a thought and I waited and I waited and I waited and I thought it sure seems like we're getting closer to land and I recognized we're we're just about to dock no one's asked me to share this devotion. It was really weird. I was actually kind of a little upset. I was a little put out. Like, I'd, I'd been thinking about this all day. I actually had kind of let it bother me a little bit. And we got back to the shore. No one ever said anything about a devotion. Nobody ever said, Chad, will you come up? In fact, even afterwards, nobody ever said, hey, man, sorry, we changed our plans, or we forgot, or we didn't do this, or we, we, we have a different way we're going to do this. Nobody ever said a word about it. And I was actually a little, I was actually a little put out. I was like, man. I went through all those mental gymnastics all day. I prayed about it. I thought about it, all those kinds of things. And God, I never got to tell people that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us in the storms of our lives. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but I had to get your attention somehow. See, that wasn't for the people on the boat. That was for me. And I realized that I had to go through that story so that God could get my attention to remind me of this because within a few days, we were going to be landing back in the middle of this crazy pandemic. And do you know why I tell you this story? Because telling you this story may be the only way that I can get your attention to remind you that in the storms of your life right now, look, you need the Holy Spirit. Just the other day, I felt this so strongly that so many of you are wrestling with in one way or another something that you can boil right back down to fear. And can I tell you what you need in your life? You need the power and the love and the self-control that can only come from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's when you let him, it's when you open up yourself and you say, Holy Spirit, I need you at work in my life. I need you to come alongside of me. I cannot do this on my own anymore. And I don't care whether you've been a Christian all your life or whether maybe you're watching in a church service for the very first time or the first time in a long time. What you need right where you're at is for the Holy Spirit to come alongside of you. Some of you are sitting there and you're saying to yourself, right now, I know I need the Holy Spirit. And he is present 
in your place to be with you. And some of you are thinking, I don't know that I need this, which tells me you need him in your life all the more. Like you need his presence in your heart. You need the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you're watching this. I know right now we're not in God's house, but I know that God is in your house. And if you will open up your heart in these next few moments, the Holy Spirit can change your life. Can I ask you to do this? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me in a word of prayer? And I want to just take a moment as we pray. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit into the presence where you are. Look, he's already there, but we need an awareness of his presence. We need an awareness of his, his, his gifting, his grace in our lives. And for you to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, be at work in my life. Holy Spirit, give me the power, the love, the, the self-control for where you have me right now. Father, in this moment, you know the story of everyone who is watching or listening to this message. God, you know the ones that, that fear has affected them in one way or the other. And right now, you are saying to them, you're speaking to their hearts, my Holy Spirit is right here. The Holy Spirit is right here to bring you the power, to bring you the love, to bring you the self-control, not to bring you a spirit of fear, to pull away that cowardice that may be in our hearts and instead to say, God, by your spirit, I will thrive. By your spirit, I'll, I'll weather this storm. By your spirit, I'm going to make it through this moment. God, I trust you. I look to you. May your Holy Spirit do a work in my life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's nothing worth more That will ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope
right where you are, would you just kind of extend your hands in a posture to receive? It's kind of right there in your home or in your kitchen, in your bedroom, wherever you are. Would you open up your, your hands if you can or your heart if you will? Would you pray this prayer with me? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. May I know your forgiveness. May I know your direction. Holy Spirit, would you replace fear in my heart? Fear of what's happening in the world. Fear of what's happening in my head. Would you replace fear with your power? with your love, with self-control, so that I will know that I will experience, that I will be more aware of your presence in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I pray for my friend right now. I pray for the one who's listening to this or watching this who's just needed to know that the Holy Spirit in the midst of the storm that they're in will come alongside of us and give us help and give us strength. Would you remind them of this today? God, would you be with them? God, would you show them your truth? Would you show them your power? Would you show them your presence? Holy Spirit, would you help them to know your special favor and your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.